from the great American Southwest in the beautiful state of Utah. This is Conversations at Midnight. Tonight is a gorgeous starry night. Beautiful. A little eerie. Little, little eerie. But overall, it's really nice. A great night to spend with your partner. Some good R&R, some enjoyment with each other. Now, if you have noticed, my voice is a little off. I am, I'm just getting over the cold. It's not the coronavirus. It's nothing crazy like that. I just have a little cold. I, I, or I'm getting over it. So I have some sort of congestion and all that. <clears throat> but it's still me. It's still the real McCoy. Have no fear. It is still me. I want to share something that happened recently. As of this recording, it happened yesterday at the time of this recording. I was, uh, I was in a part of Utah. I was, uh, I was in the Spanish Fork area of Utah. And I was, I was about to leave Spanish Fork. And I was pretty hungry. I thought, oh, I could go for a juicy burger. So I went to the nearest Culver's. For those of you who don't know what Culver's is, if I'm not mistaken, I think they're known more for their frozen custards. But they have these Culver's sandwiches. A hamburger. They call it the Butter Burger. And it was delicious. Oh, it's so good. It's so good and delicious. I, I think it's sensational. So I got myself a Butter Burger Cheese, I think it's called, with a root beer float. I went really Americano. And I couldn't help myself. <clears throat> but when I was in the drive-thru, as I was waiting in line, I noticed behind me there was this big old um, Ram transportation van. It's like a transporter van type thing. So I sat there and I was looking at it and I thought, whoever is in that van, they're, um, they're living in it. And he probably just travels, he or she probably just travels the country and I'm really jealous of that. But I thought, oh, oh well. Probably stop mine and get a snack and they're going to hit the road. I love nighttime driving. I don't know how you feel, but I love nighttime driving. Road trips at night. Something magical about them. So, I'm, I'm in the drive-thru. I get my sandwich and I park in a parking lot adjacent to the Culver's. And I was eating my sandwich and I looked in the rearview mirror. And lo and behold, I see the van park in the parking lot. And I looked over and the driver pivoted his chair or the driver's seat around, kind of like an RV. If you ever spent your time in RVs, you can pivot the driver's seat around. And he did that. And for some weird reason, I guess my brain was like, oh, there's your proof that he's living in it. And from this point, I, I can tell that it was, um, it was a man. So as I'm, <laughs> I felt, I felt like a stalker. It was really weird, but I'm staring at this individual. I'm eating my, my hamburger. And I thought, oh, I really want to go talk to him. I just, I just want to see what the van is like, you know? And so I finished my burger and he was still eating whatever it was that he was eating. And I thought, oh, dang. Hmm. Well. I'm going to go talk to him. 
So I pulled my car around. I got out of my car. I walked over. And I guess he had this side window open. And I was like, um, excuse me. <laughs> and you could see his head turn. And he looks over. And he cracks the window a little bit. And if you're from Utah, that makes so much sense. Or if you stayed in Utah long enough, it makes sense that he's not from there. Because I'm not from there. And that's something that I would have done. But everybody over there just rolls it down all the way. But he but he cracked his window and he's like, yes. <laughs> and so I was like, hey, um, I'm, I'm so sorry. This is a weird question. But, but do you live in this thing? And he said, yeah. And I thought, well, hey, this sounds crazy. But I've been dying to do this. Um, is it possible? If I could, if I could see what it's like, if you don't mind. And he goes, yeah, sure, of course. And he was, he was really nice, really stand up guy, just a gentleman through and through. So he asked me to come around. He opened up his sliding van door and he's like, you can poke your head in if you want. So I poked my head in and it was, it, it was so cool. He had this bed in the back. It, it looked really modern. Like it looked really modern and nice. It was really cool. So I started talking to him, and uh, he tells me that he has a remote job. He kept his privacy, understandable, you know. And I, I hope this doesn't come off rude, because I'm not trying to be. But um, honestly, I didn't want to know. Because, you know, that's that's weird. You know, hey, tell me every detail about your life, and I'm a complete stranger. But we started talking, and I told him, I was like, you know, you should probably do a YouTube channel. And he actually stays off grade with social media, very much like me. Uh, I, I try to stay off grid as much as I can. Too much social media is bad for you. And I don't care if you want to argue that with me. It is. It's bad. But, um, so, we, you know, we had this beautiful conversation and it was, and it was nice. You know, we went back and forth and I was freezing, but it was worth it. It's, it, it, it's worth connecting to another human being. And so we talked and it was just, it was pleasant. It was different. It was nice. Um, anyway, he I asked him if it's okay if I talk about my experience with him on the podcast. And he, and he said yes. Um, his name's Theo. <laughs> and he just, he travels the country, works, and just travels in his van. And it's great. It, it's, seriously, I'm so jealous of that. I would love to do that. And hopefully, like I said, my plans... Hopefully within a few months I can actually achieve that by buying that vehicle that I've been looking at. So But he was he's such a good guy. He he uh he looked up the podcast. He actually went and followed the podcast via Spotify. So that's really cool. So to any of my Spotify listeners, shout out to you. But uh Well Theo, it was a pleasure meeting you. If you ever come across uh, the Utah area, uh, you can email me. If you haven't looked at the rest of the shows, you can see in the uh, in the description uh, the email I left. Which, I should say that right now, as I'm going to every episode. Um, I actually did get an email, believe it or not. My first email. It's really cool. But, uh, the email, if you have a, if you, if you have a story... An odd story, creepy story, unexplainable story. Um, please send it to me at stories at midnight. I'll, I'm going to repeat this uh, a, a few times. 
So stories at midnight at yahoo.com. I'm going to say it again. Stories at midnight at yahoo.com. You can check the description of the podcast, whichever platform you're listening to, check, check the description and it should be there. So stories at midnight at yahoo.com. One last time. Stories at midnight at yahoo.com. Now, I asked Theo, I couldn't help myself. I said, Theo, what is the the weirdest story or encounter or unsettling encounter you had your time on the road? And he sat there and he thought about it and he's like, you know, I don't really think I have anything that creepy, I guess, in like the field that you're doing the podcast for. But he shared a story with me creepy in a more realistic fashion and he told me he said i was in san diego and i and i had a friend in the van with me and we were making food and i guess i guess he was parked in a parking lot i guess theo was in a parking lot and he told me he said um that he was parked in in this parking lot and there was this nearby apartment there and there was these two people they were in an argument uh, a very heated verbal fight and he said some point in the argument one of the gentlemen says uh you know something something stop before i shoot you and theo thought you know or he told me, if you're, you know, if you're from the city, you know, but, eh, it doesn't mean anything. You know, if you're from like the tough city, it doesn't mean anything. But I know that San Diego isn't the, you know, the most crazy. But, you know, he didn't think anything of it. Well, he says that him and his friend are talking about life. And about 10 minutes later, he says, you hear the gunshot. This big old bah. So he said him and his friend, they grabbed the food that they were cooking on the stove they put it on the floor of the of of the van. He jumped in the front seat. Uh, he he got behind the wheel and and he took off. That's the, that's that'll probably be my same reaction. The only thing that I probably would have done, which I don't know if he did or not, he didn't he didn't specify, but I probably would have called the cops. But that's just me. But um, Theo, it was a pleasure meeting you once again. Uh. Write me in my email. I actually want to talk to you about this cool segment I might do on the podcast, if you're okay with that. Um, so please write me, um, and I'm going to pitch it to you. If you're not cool with it, I won't continue. But if you are, I would actually really like to do this. So, as you saw from the subject, we're going to move on to a more, to more serious stuff. As we move on into the subject... We are continuing where we left off with Bigfoot, with Sasquatch. I know some people think that they're different. Once again, my disclaimer is I believe that they're one and in, one in the same. Bigfoot and Sasquatch, to me, I mean the same thing. But I was having a conversation with someone I knew. I will keep their uh, relation to me out of it. But she told me, she said, hey... um, I don't know much about what you talk about, and I heard your Bigfoot episode, uh, so this is pretty recent, 
Uh, I heard your Bigfoot um, the episode, and I'm curious, how did Bigfoot start? And it hit me. I didn't even talk about that. I'll, that last episode, I was really sloppy. I was not prepared well. Um, I guess I was at a disadvantage for some weird reason. But maybe it was the uh, maybe I was just out of my mind because of how sick I was. Because that was around the time I was starting to become sick. So, but they told me. Um, I want to know like what made it popular, what slingshot the idea of it into the mainstream. So I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna do that. I'm gonna try to talk about it from the early roots um and to where we are now so without a further ado go ahead you can pause it right here because we're gonna light we're gonna light some candles we're gonna get ready if you're on a road trip theo my boy theo if you're listening to this sit back and relax brother enjoy yourself don't get too relaxed so i don't, I don't want you to fall asleep behind the wheel and then you flip your van across uh, across Route 66. But just, you know, unwind, relax, enjoy the road. Ew, my truckers. To you truckers out there. To, to, my, to my stargazers. I love you. Keep that wheel steady. And enjoy yourself, okay? So let's go, let's go light this candle. Let's go... Uh, Let's go enjoy ourselves. Okay, there you go. There you go. Okay. We we back? We back. So the the thing about Bigfoot and the popularity, which I'm going to get to like the thing that really brought it into the mainstream news and conversation of us as human beings. But before that, um, Bigfoot has been talked about for years. These ape-like human things in the woods. In fact, a lot of Native Americans, a lot of indigenous people, actually spoke a lot about these stories of um, these hairy men in the woods. Now I know some people go, but hairy men, what if that's different? Well, how else like how else would you explain something that looks like us, but it's completely covered in hair? You know, it's a bipedal creature. It stands on two legs, walks like us, you know, it sways its arms back and forth like us, you know, it doesn't drag its hands on the on the dirt. You you know? So if if I was alive way back then, I would just assume it was another tribe of um, savages. As, as as brutal as that sounds, you know, I would just go, oh my gosh, it's another tribe of, of these Indians, you know, of people like me. Which I am, I am Native American. For those of you who don't know, I am Native on uh, my mother's side. Choctaw Indian. But... I digress. I would just assume, oh my goodness, you know, it's another tribe that's gone, uh, that's gone rogue, if you will. You know, they've gone crazy. Their hair's everywhere, matted, disgusting. They're huge. You know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't go as far as saying, oh my goodness, it, it, it's it's some sort of cryptid. But they've been told by these people for 
years. Um, there's even a there's a story which I'm going to get to, but I'll just hint at it. Um, even even uh, Teddy Roosevelt in 1893 he wrote a book called The Wilderness Hunter. He actually wrote of a story involving Bigfoot. It wasn't his encounter. It was another person's, but I, I will get to that. But 1893, he talked about this story. So even before then, it was a conversation, you know. Actually, something earlier than that, um, a, uh, a colonist um, in 1840 spoke about um, these giant humans that they they live among the natives near Spokane, Washington. And apparently, he talked about how these giants were said to live and like around these peaks of, of, of the mountains, stealing the salmon from uh, the fishermen's nets. So this is this is early stuff. You know, we're we're talking way early. But the golden question uh, to answer to answer that person in in my life the way it started and i hope i hope this is a good answer for you to my knowledge the thing that i this is from my research and just also from the way pretty much everybody i've spoken to uh in my youth when i was growing up told me how they found out about the bigfoot and sasquatch is the infamous or i guess rather the famous story of the 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 patterson gremlin film or the pgf as people say but the patterson gremlin film is that infamous is that infamous uh that infamous film where you see a sasquatch or a bigfoot walking through this open forest and they say it's a female within the video but she's walking and she looks over her shoulder because she's aware of the existence of uh of mr patterson and mr gremlin and they were the ones who filmed it so oh sorry i say gremlin gimlin the patterson gimlin film I'm sorry. Excuse me, Gimlin. So, um, that video, what, is like a minute long? Maybe less? Maybe? I'm not sure. But, it is that. Uh, you know what? I am actually probably, is it even copyrighted? I don't, I, I don't know if it is. Oh, I hope I don't get in trouble. But I'm still going to do it. I'm actually going to make the podcast uh, image for this episode, the infamous, uh, the picture, the infamous frame 352. Frame 352 is when Sasquatch or the Bigfoot is looking over her shoulder, staring straight at Mr. Patterson and Mr. Gimlin. And essentially, uh, that just, that, that, that whole thing just, just caught wind. Everyone was talking about it. And this is up in Northern California. The year at the time was 
1967. It was October 20th of 1967. That's when everything essentially happened. It was during that time. And, um, you know, before that, it, it was just... It was just whispers in the wind. Conversations here and there. Of, oh my goodness, hey, did you hear, you know, about these creatures living in the thing? You know, living in the forest? But I don't think, at least up until that point, no one has caught an image or a video, nonetheless, of, of a creature like that. However, unfortunately... Like most things that enter that mainstream conversation, once it once something like this enters the bubble of the mainstream, it's a verbal war. It's it, it's a it's an ever going debate of if it's real, it's not real, hoax, not hoax, it's fact, fiction, the whole shebang. Still to this day, oof, decades later. Here we are. Here we are still talking about whether it's real or not. So let me just say this. Because I said this when I was making the podcast. If you go and listen to my intro. Um, I am not telling you whether uh, you have to believe it or you don't. This is up to you. This whole thing is up to your opinion. I'm only here to talk about it. As an outlet for people who like listening and discussing it. Um, and if you want to discuss it with me, email me. You can email me. <laughs> email me for crying out loud. But um, all that I'm doing is I'm trying to present and just have the conversation of it. So here's the G. Whether I know... Or whether I think that this is real or not, I'm sure I don't know. What I will say is what I've done with, with some of my research. Okay, about the Patterson-Gimlin film. The PGF. I looked everywhere. I've, I've First of all, I have watched that video in the past month probably like 40 times. And uh, so, if you, so if you think about it, it's a minute long. I, I spent a, probably a total of 40 minutes of, of my life watching it over and over and over again. Excuse me for those disgusting sounds. I'm going to try to edit most of them, but if I can, I'm sorry. I'm sick. Remember. Oh, Tuesday. Why did you Why did you decide to do a show if you're sick? Because you know why? I, 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 I like doing it. I love y'all makes me feel good. It's like therapy for me. So, sorry for my disgusting sounds. But, I digress. I've watched the PGF so many times. I have watched it over and over. Um, and, I, and I'm going to tell you this. There's a technology called stabilization. Where it can fixate on a certain subject within a video and it'll focus on it entirely which I'm wondering if I can use that technology on that UFO video I have 
where I was talking about where I saw this red ball streaking through the sky. But I decided to walk while recording because I'm dumb. I wonder if I can find a way to use the stabilization technology to stabilize the video. But anyway, I'm, I'm, I'm so sorry. That was just a little tangent. But there's a technology where you can stabilize. It's called stabilization. So if you look at the original film without the stabilization, it's shaky. Apparently it's because um, Patterson was the one with, uh, with, with the camera. He was the one that, that held the film. Um, his name, or I'm sorry, rather both of their names, is Roger Patterson and Robert Gimlin, or Bob. People call him Bob. But Roger and Robert Gimlin. Roger Patterson, Robert Gimlin, excuse me. Roger Patterson actually died in 1972 of cancer. But I'm going to get to that. But that part is is um, um, is interesting. So, re But remember that. I'm, I'm going to get to that. So, Roger Patterson is the one with the camera. Apparently, they were both on horses going through the area. Roger Patterson was the one who got really interested uh, in the phenomena of a Sasquatch or a Bigfoot because he read it somewhere in a book and he thought, oh my goodness. So apparently, if I'm getting my, if I'm getting my facts right, if not, email them to me and I'll correct them on a future episode. But if I'm not mistaken... He had an interest. He started talking to people who also believed in it. Um, he found people who shared that trait with him on uh, having an interest within the Bigfoot. And eventually he uh, spoke to uh, Bob, Bob Gimlin. And they thought, hey, you know, let's go, you know, hey, let's let's go find this thing and let's go. Let's go see what we could do. So when it comes to the video, they camped out in Northern California. Um, I actually written some notes down. I believe I got this. I believe I got this from Wikipedia, if I can remember correctly. And from what I wrote down, it says, quote, the footage was filmed alongside Bluff Creek, a tributary of the Klamath River. I hope I didn't say that wrong. It is about 25 logging road miles northwest of Orleans, California. The, f the film site is roughly 38 miles south of Oregon and 18 miles east of the, of the Pacific Ocean. Excuse me, of the Pacific Ocean. For decades, the exact location of the site was lost primarily because of regrowth of the foliage in the stream bed after the flood of 1964. The site was rediscovered in 2011. It is just south of a north-running segment of the creek informally known as the Bowling Alley. So, it's filmed in Northern California. For those of you who don't know northern california is from what i've been told i've only been to california once i went to oceanside really nice area interesting way of interesting people uh 
<laughs> wasn't the biggest fan. Um, and I don't mean I I I don't mean anything bad or anything ill towards any Californians or California in general. It's just not my kind of place. I'll go back. I'll go back to visit, but to live there, never. Never. You wouldn't catch me dead there. But to visit or to do some sort of like investigational stuff? Oh yeah, are you kidding me? I'm there with bells on. Um I just I don't know. I'm about to say a cardinal sin. I just think the the Florida beaches are better. But you can argue that with me all day long, but <laughs> I like the Florida beaches more. A lot more calmer, warmer, in my opinion. But I digress. Um, from what I was told, if, you, if, if you've ever been to the California area, Southern California and Northern California, from what I've been told, are like two different worlds. You have the South where it's the city, traffic, loud, people, active all the time. And then you transition to the Northern side and it's just woodlands, hills, mountains. And it's just these humongous trees. Um, I, I believe that's where the redwood fo forest is um, within the country. Gorgeous, gorgeous area. And that's where they were. They were they're in northern, in the northern part of the state, and uh, that's where they, that's where they filmed it. So when it comes to that whole film, they film it. Uh, if you watch the film, they were on horses. Patterson has the camera. He gets off the horse. And he actually stumbles. According to Mr. Gimlin, when he got off, when Patterson got off the horse, he stumbled. So that's when, when you first watch the initial film of it or the video of it, there's like this big shake and it point and like for a second the camera points at the dirt because that's him tripping over something. And then he raises the camera and you see the Sasquatch walking. He films it. It looks over the shoulder, and it continues down walking. Uh, according to Bob, it continues to walk down towards uh, towards the mouth of a canyon. And then that's where it sort of gets lost in the in uh, the foliage and everything. And they never saw it again. Well. After that, they publish the film. It gets, well, first it gets processed. They publish the film and it blows up. It just, I mean, probably one of the first ever uh, films or something in a video format to go viral. <laughs> I mean, that thing just went viral. Everyone started talking about it. it. I mean, it hit headlines. It was on the news. There was talks about it in newspapers. And everyone just... Everyone was uh, grew this hysteria. There was just this 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 hoopla about it, if you will. And so you know, uh, you have your skeptics, and you have your non-believers. You have people saying it's a hoax. You have people saying it's a guy in a suit, and all that. Um, once again, I I don't really know where I stand on it. A part of me, kind of like that. Um, like that X-Files, uh, the poster, uh, where Agent Fox, Fox Mulder, where he has his, he, where he has the poster that says, I want to believe, 
and it's of the UFO. That's that's how I feel. I want to believe. I want to believe that that's true. Um, but once again, I I'm very much on the fence. I don't lean either way. Actually, that's not true. I guess if I did lean, I would lean towards the idea that it's real. Um, just because, and this is why I was. This is what I was trying to bring up earlier. I guess I lean a little bit towards that it's real. Uh, because there's a few things, but one of the biggest things is some of some of the people. There's been people who have studied human anatomy, who have observed that video, and they say they don't know if the Sasquatch was real, but to believe that it's a man in a suit, they don't. They don't think so. Just because one of the biggest things, and if you want to watch the video, you can. But one of the biggest things is they talk about the arms and the wrists and the hands. Odd, right? The arms, the wrists, and the hand. Oh, and there's one more thing, but I'll get to that. But that's their biggest telltale sign. If you watch the video, uh, in fact, this there was a gentleman who made an interesting um, point. He is an artist based in Australia. He said he's been doing art for decades probably about i think i think he said 30 years you can actually watch his video on youtube but he says that he studies human anatomy and the anatomy of animals and all that because you know that's what he draws and if you've ever been into art um on a professional scale it makes sense i have it but i know who people i know people who are excuse me stumbled on my tongue i know people who are um and they would, and they did agree. They said, "Oh no, of course, absolutely. You know, you have to study the anatomy, uh, lengths, the measurements. You know, you, in order to get it down, you have to study it." Excuse me. And um, he said that he studies the human anatomy because he likes to draw and paint, sketch human beings. He said when he was watching this video. He was noticing within within the video, the and just like the other people, he was looking at the arms, the wrists, and the hands. He says, as this creature is walking, as it's swaying its arms back and forth in a walking motion, he says, when you see the arm lift up at its peak, because, you know, as you're walking and you're swinging it back and forward, as it's going forward at the peak of the swing, he said you could see the hand enter uh, almost a relaxed state where it slightly closes like a fist. Not entirely, but just but just ever so slightly. It slightly closes as a fist. And he says that's very, very common um, with the way that we walk, especially with, with, with our hands. If you take your hand, right, if you, if you look at your hand and if you, and if you extend it like you're about to give somebody a high five, it's flat, you know, it's flat, it's stretched out. But just relax your hand. Relax it. Just just put no strength in anything within your hand and you see it curl up. So it so that's what he's saying. He's saying at the peak of the front swing, it enters the relaxed state before it comes down. Then when it comes down, it sort of extends your hand or the hand of that creature extends a little bit because there's some tension and then on the way back 
it does this curling motion kind of and uh he said for it he said he believes for it to be someone in a suit because the idea of the suit is that it's an extension right because um that thing was huge that thing was huge it was twice the size of a human so whoever was behind that suit had to be andre the giant andre the giant wasn't there right so that human being had to be humongous and he or she in the suit wasn't so that would imply that there's extensions kind of like stilts but for but for arms and he says he doesn't see how that could be a suit with the mechanisms of the hand and the wrist and all that so that's so that's one that really got me thinking and i thought you know what that actually makes sense I can actually see that because if you're saying that it's that it's in a suit and it's like the size of a normal human being, you know, it would look a little weird. But since that thing does not look the size of a of a human being, not even a large human being at that, um, it's intriguing because you would need those limb extensions and you can't stretch out your arms. So you're going to need an extension, but and you can't control those extensions. And he, and the point of the wrists is that he was saying you can actually see the wrists also within a motion the wrists themselves were in this were in this motion and he thought oh my goodness that's intriguing and also of course i mean i couldn't help it but that also intrigued me and then of course the arms just the idea of how they swung you know he just thought that seems too natural that seems so natural um that he doesn't he finds it weird that it can be faked but he said it was natural but also almost unhuman like you know so he thought everything fit well and then the thing the final thing that made me really think about it the the thing that made me go hmm i can actually okay that makes sense he says if you look at the video and he points this out but if you look at the video um around the hip around the hip thigh area of the creature there's this uh there's almost like a line of missing hair almost a line of missing hair and he thought, oh, well, that's odd. And he kept examining the video. And then there's a part within the video, the full video, where you can kind of see the back of the creature. And he was saying in the video, you can see it clearly. But that line on where the patch of fur is gone is where the elbow of the creature rubs up against it. And he says the elbow area is also missing fur. So the elbow and the hip where the elbow rubs up against the way that she walks. It's rubbed up so much that she's now missing fur. And he just thought, I wouldn't see a man in a suit wearing the suit for so long to the point that he rubs off the fur. Because that's over a long period of time to where it starts to get rubbed off. He says that he, um, that he believes that this is to the point that this creature has been do ha has been walking like that for so long that the fur has been rubbed off implying that this creature uh, is a lot older and it's not just a man in a suit because if it's a man in a suit according to some of the hoaxes because there's a gentleman who came out saying that he was the actor in a suit he came out and said that it was him um you know he said that he wore the suit once for the video and then that's it so if that's the case, then how is it that he has that that rub line already? If he wore it once, 
just for the video and then left i find it really hard to believe that that's that 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 it can cause that within a few hours of just doing it i know some people are going to go uh contrary believe it or not i come on you know what i mean it's supposed to be a suit for movies right isn't that what the argument is it's supposed to be a suit for movies for films for prop work and you know i don't see how they were able to anticipate a fur line you know either that or maybe maybe they're a lot smarter than me because if i was trying to hoax it i wouldn't i wouldn't have done that so if it is a hoax then you know what hey props to them i'm not even mad if they came out tomorrow and said yeah this is a hoax they're geniuses or at least bob because robert passed away but at least bob if bob was to come out and say it i'll go oh my gosh but i just i just don't see how and the other thing is there is a uh, there's a gentleman oh i didn't get his name I he actually wrote it in a in a YouTube comment and I I don't really remember the video that I saw so I can't read the comment but he wrote saying that back in the day when the video was really popular him and his friend his friend worked at NASA so they somehow got a copy of the film and they were observing it they watched it and his friend used his NASA technology or whatever it was to examine it I don't know how true it is but this is why I'm saying this, to examine the video. His friend said, interestingly enough, you can actually see uh, what, what would be scars from the creature, from probably previous fights or hunting accidents, etc., etc. And I thought, really? So I looked at the video, and yeah, you know, I don't, I don't really know what to make them, so I'm not going to say this. this is like a definitive uh, point of the argument. But yeah, if you really look at the video, you can actually see these little nicks and these little patches of where hair should be, and it's not. Uh, I actually have a scar on my head to the point where I, it, it should be where my, where my hair grows. Um, it's not there. There's, there's a patch of hair that's not there. Uh, it's nothing huge. It's just this little slit. It was a lot worse when I got it as a kid, but... Um, but yeah, but no, but there's no hair that grows there because of be, simply because of the scar tissue. The scar tissue uh, prevents the hair from growing. So I can totally see something that's supposed to be old or that lives a very long and especially lives out in the wilderness long enough to where it has to do everything, quote unquote, old school to live and sustain its life, such as hunting, such as, you know, having... God only knows if it came across some sort of bear and they fought over territory. We don't know how these things commune with nature. If anything, they could be like Snow White, um, you know, enjoying themselves out in the wilderness, having these different creatures sit around it. We don't know. But if these animals, if, if there's an animal out there that acknowledges it or thinks that it's anything like a human, probably won't be as friendly, especially if it's a bear. So, which I'm, I'm going to feel bad for whatever bear comes across that thing, you know? So it's always interesting, isn't it? If, if our national parks and forests, and I'm not talking about the country, I'm talking about the world. If our national parks and forests had a mouth, if it could speak, I wonder what secrets it would tell. Interesting. So back to what I was saying. Uh, yeah, you could see these little nicks on its skin or you know within the fur and i thought it was really intriguing so that's that's something that i guess kind of tilts me towards just the observation and hearing the the uh um 
the analysis given uh, by the artist. It was it was an interesting point of view, an interesting side to see. But of course, at the end of the day, it's up to you. It's your choice to believe. Once again, I don't think, like my mind is not set entirely 100% if the video is real or not. Um, I'm just I'm just on the fence, and I lean towards yes. Um, but that doesn't mean you know I can't be persuaded to a no. Um, now the other side, the the dark side of the coin, if you will, uh, it, it it's come with people who have come out to say quote unquote that it is a hoax and they have proof. And like I said earlier, there was a gentleman who came out and said that he um that he was the actor in the suit and that. He was hired by uh, Roger Patterson to wear the suit. Apparently, Roger Patterson, with his obsession with uh, the Bigfoot, because like I said earlier, he uh, he read a book and he fell in love with it. And so through that, he wanted to make a short film, believe it or not. And he tried to get people to come and join him, to work on the film with him. There's some people who say, uh, and now they don't have proof, but there's some people who say, oh, yeah, no, he came and saw me about the film, et cetera, et cetera, and whatnot. Um, all this, and I know some people go, oh, okay, well, then that, well that's it. Then, then it's proven as a hoax. Um, the thing is, okay, for those of you who don't know, and I don't, I don't know why people do this. I have no idea, but I'm trying to understand it. But for those of you who don't know, there are actually many human beings out here, people that live among us, um, these unique specimens. And for some weird reason, they like the idea of taking credit for stuff. I'll give you an example. There is, uh, or at least back in the day, there was a famous serial killer, or infamous rather, uh, the Zodiac Killer. Apparently he would, uh, you know, leave signs for the police and he would tell them, hey, this is, I'm going to kill someone next at this, at this area and whatnot. So the police had like this manhunt for him, you know, oh my goodness, we need to find him, you know, and they, they went on their hunts and whatnot and, you know, they had a manhunt against the guy. People would call into the police station. This is no, this is real. And I don't, I, once again, I, I can't fathom why, but people would call in to the police stations and go, hey, oh yeah, hey, it's me. I'm the guy who killed her. It's me. And they had like 20 people who would do it. More. Like people, random people would just call and say, no, it's me. I'm the guy who did it. I killed her. I killed him. It's me. You know? So, I'm just saying. Uh, but that's one of the arguments. And I know it's like, well, that's a poor argument. Look, the fact that it's happened, I, I wouldn't be surprised that people have done it. Here's something weird. Right. Sorry for the stammer, but let me just take a step back real quick. I've actually, I actually had a conversation with a gentleman, and we were talking about UFOs. We were, well, extraterrestrial life. We were, we were talking about aliens, and he told me because you know we were having a conversation, and I asked him. I said, "Hey, do you think aliens are real?" Blah blah. blah. And he goes, "No, I well, I hope not." I said, "Really?" And he goes, "Oh no, 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 I can't. I don't want to believe it." I said, "Why?" And, you know, he told me, he's like, I don't think I'll be able to handle it, the idea that extra life exists out there, blah, blah. That part's normal. But what he told me, and this is real, this happened in Hialeah, Florida, he told me that if aliens were real, he would actually tell other people 
that there's no way that it's real. And I said, so even if you knew that they were real, you would still convince people no? And he goes, yes. I said, why? And he says, because I don't think people could handle it either. He goes, but if somehow, if I, if I actually accepted the idea, I would still tell people, no way that it's real. So if he exists, I'm sure other people have that same thought process. So I'm not, now I'm not discrediting the gentleman who said that he was the man in the suit. I don't know whether he was or not. I'm just saying, unfortunately, that is now something I have to add to the fence. If someone told me, hey, Tuesday, look, uh, this guy says that he was the dude in the suit. It's game over, right? If he has no proof, unfortunately, it goes on the fence. Because at that point, it's his word against theirs. Un I, unfortunately, it is. You know, That's the saddest thing. Because unfortunately, there's been people out there who've ruined it. That man, for all I know, could, could have been telling the truth. He could be telling the truth 100%. But unfortunately, since there's people out there who actually like to take credit for the weirdest things, like they want that credit, I can't, I can't sit there and say, oh my gosh, then I believe him 100%. I can't. Until I see the proof, I don't, I don't know how to feel. You know what I mean? I don't know what to do, uh, especially with subjects like this, you know? Um, I just, I just don't know why. I just, I have no idea why. And and even these other stories, even even like the episode where I had my special guest on, when he was saying his story, if it was anybody else, I would unfortunately have to take it with a grain of salt because I don't know. I don't know if he's telling me the truth. I don't know if he is. I have no idea. So it's up to me to sit there and go, well, you know, I guess I'm going to lean towards yes. So that's the whole idea is finding out if you believe it or not, right? So because of this, this is something I have to add onto the fence. But I digress. Yes, you had a gentleman who said that he was, uh, he was hired by uh, Roger Patterson to wear the suit. And I just, I don't know. Um, not much came after that. Some people said, okay, it, it's the end of the video, etc., etc. Well, there's two things that are weird with this. Um, one is Bob Gimlin. Bob Gimlin to this day, swears up and down that he, um, that there was nobody in the suit, that he saw what he saw. And apparently his words were he was pooping bricks when he saw the, when he saw the creature. In fact, he says that he even pulled out a gun, uh, on the idea that he could be attacked by it. Um, some people will go, well, that doesn't mean anything. And you, and you don't see the gun in the video. That's a good point, And I'll give you that one. But the other thing, and this is what really gets me. This is what really just gets my mind going. Roger Patterson. Roger Patterson, he, once again, he died of cancer in 1972. He passed away of cancer. Till, the, till his last breath, he swore up and down. That what he saw in the woods, what, what was taken on that video, was no hoax. There was no smoke and mirrors. He indeed insists that that was the real deal. That that was the real McCoy. Here's why that makes me feel weird. And not in a bad way. But it makes me feel weird 
in the sense of why is it that in his life, because if I had cancer and I was dying of cancer, and if anybody is having to go through that unfortunate ailment, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I, I, I hope with all my soul that you can pull through. But if, if I'm dying of cancer, if I have cancer and it's, real, and it's riddled my body, excuse me, if it's riddled my body to the point where I have days left, weeks left, I'm not going to sit there and insist that the idea of this creature that I, that I stirred up, that I caused commotion about, is real. No, say I. <laughs> There's no way. I, I cannot imagine that. There's no way. I would just sit there and go, okay, you got me. Yeah, I'm dying. I don't care. I I faked it. So what? There's no way I'd I'd keep that ploy alive. I couldn't. I there's no way. That was his chance. That was his chance to sit there and go, "Hey, well, nah, it's fake." Why? You know, now some people might argue, "Oh, well, you know, what if he was scared that if he told the truth that it's fake?" Maybe his family would be thrashed or made fun of or, you know, sure. Okay, that, I mean, that's a fair argument, you know. But at the end of the day, I just feel like when your life is coming to an end and you know it. Why? I don't know. But once again, human beings are weird. So am I going to sit here and tell you, oh, there's no way he would do that on his deathbed? No. I mean, it, it could be a possibility. I just, to me, that bothers me knowing that you have when you're given an expiration date and you're still going to maintain the hoax very hard for me to believe very hard but from that video to the day of his death he insisted it was genuine and to me that's just so intriguing and you know Still to this day, it's being spoken about, it's being debunked, it's being talked, it's being ripped apart. Um, some people are praising it, some people are calling it a joke. Um, once again, I don't know where I exist. Once again, I, I, like I said, I lean towards it, but it doesn't mean I believe it. I do believe that the creature is real, but I don't, I don't know how I feel about the video. And I... I I'm not sure. Um, and maybe maybe I lean towards the idea that it's real just because I want to believe. And, you know, some of the things that I heard. But maybe that's it. You know, I'm not... If you were to tell me that, well, it's just because you, you want to believe. Yeah, I do. And if that's it, then I'm sorry. I don't know. I don't know if that's the reason why I feel the need to lean towards the idea that it might be real. I don't know. But I just find it... Hard to believe that there's been indigenous people for years sharing the story. In fact, people who had no idea about the Native Americans, all the way in the Himalayas, talk about the snowy counterpart of this hairy beast, which is the Yeti. You know, it's just there's certain coincidences in this planet that I that I sit there and I go, well, you know, that's a little too unsettling, you know. And then like last episode, those sounds that I played for you, what did you guys think about those sounds? I can't even, I don't, I don't, I don't even know what that would be because you hear 
whatever that thing is, or things, things, plural, are, and then you hear the hunters trying to mimic it. And man, it just sounds like some sort of language, like some sort of alien language. And it blew me away. I didn't, I didn't know what to think of it. it. Shocked me. Really unsettling. Oh my goodness. So intriguing. But moving on from the, um, from the PGF, the Patterson Gimlin film, there have been, and this is still going on to this day, there have been still encounters of Bigfoot or a Sasquatch. And from the encounters, there's a lot of similarities. Um, and I'm going to share the, uh, the similarities with you. Apparently, some of, the, some of the most common things involving a Bigfoot when it comes to an encounter is, of course, the, 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 the big kicker is the great silence within the forest. And that, of course, is the, when the forest gets really quiet, deafening quiet, where it's just so silent you can't bear it. Um, when, when, when the birds and the, and every living creature goes into hiding. So there's that. Next, and it's not in order, it's just things that happen. Although I believe that the great silence always happens first. But the, but the next thing is the smell. Apparently there's a, there's a stench. There's an aroma. Um, people, people always refer to it as a weird skunk smell a weird skunky smell and um someone actually went as far as saying in one of their uh illustrated descriptions is that it imagine a skunk with a mix of decay this weird nasty rotting blood smell so that does not sound it, it just doesn't sound pleasant it sounds disgusting but apparently that is something that that happens. The other thing is rock throwing. There is, uh, <laughs> I say rocks, I, I, really, it's these huge, uh, the boulders. But they are known to throw smaller stones. Um, but that is another common trait. It's actually really common where things get hurled. Um, some people go as far as saying that that's, they believe that that's their way of telling you to back off is they hurl things near you not directly hitting you but near you which personally you hear these stories where they go and they threw it and they missed me i don't think they missed you if let's say that let's say that these things are real let's say that these things are real i i just don't see how something that spends most of its time living in the outdoors con creating things with wood um and moving rocks and boulders. I don't think it has a bad aim. I think I think it misses you on purpose. I think it's trying to tell you to back off. And then the other thing is this godforsaken yell. Apparently, it, it apparently they have this distinctive yell, and it just yells at the top of its lungs. In fact, there's a there's an episode on that show I was talking about um, last last program. Uh, the Bigfoot Part 1, the introduction, um, where it talks, this gentleman talks about in the show, uh, These Woods Are Haunted, where it talks about um, how when he was in the woods after he encountered a Bigfoot, he said he heard what sounded like 
air leaving a tire where it makes that sound. He said he heard that and he said once he saw the creature, he realized what he was hearing. He heard the creature inhaling all that air and it did it at such a smooth pace that it sounded like air exiting a tire from 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 a puncture that sound that and so he 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 said then he heard this thing give this huge yell so he's never heard anything sound like that since and and he bolted he got out of there oh he got out of there quick fast and in a hurry and so that's the other thing is apparently they do these yells with each other they do these yells and these yelps and these whoops uh, and they uh, apparently whistle they have a whistle apparently um that they that they give off with each other hopefully i can find some and put it at the end of the episode but i don't think i'll be able to because you know i should probably get permission and stuff so instead if i can't do that what i'm gonna do is i'm gonna leave you with a treat i'm gonna leave you with a uh uh with a bigfoot story a nice bigfoot story and i hope uh I hope you all enjoy it. So, this story comes from Reddit on the r slash Bigfoot thread. Uh, it was uploaded at the time of this recording. It was it was brought to light about seven months ago, and the title of it is "Why I Believe in Bigfoot: A Personal Experience." So, I chose this story. Uh, for a for for a good reason. I'm gonna give the uh, the credit in a in a second, but actually I'll just do it now. The the writer of the um, of the post, uh, the man who posted it, or woman, I'm not sure. Uh, the person who posted it is user X Propaganda Four X, and um, I chose this because it's a little personal. Well. The person itself, you know, um, is a little personal to me um, because he actually talks about li um, going to a treatment center. I was uh, an employee at a treatment center. I, I, I don't want to say which one also because I actually think it's a horrible place. I, I, I do not agree with the, with the company that I that I worked for. Um, a lot of stuff happened that I didn't agree. And that's actually evidently why I, I ended up quitting was because of some of the some of the things that happened so um but i'm going to read to you uh his experience but um you know from time to time i'm going to throw in some some stuff uh just about treatment centers and things like that so so here is the story as to why he believes in a bigfoot a personal experience and this happens in utah so this is also really interesting so here we go and it, and I'm going to read it as it says, I had an experience in June of 2004 and never thought about it again until a few years ago when I came across my journal entry from that time. Once I read it, everything came flooding back and it, and it has become the foundation for my personal belief in what is a Bigfoot. To help you understand why I feel so strongly about their existence, I need to explain why I was in the middle of the wilderness to begin with. You see, I grew up in an affluent part of southern Orange County, California, and began abusing drugs pretty early. 
Too much time, too much money equals bad habits. So, I was what you would consider a troubled teen. Right after I turned 17 in April of 2004, I got sent to Wilderness Rehabilitation called Aspen Achievement County. It's based out of Loa, Utah, about three to four hours south of Salt Lake City. After I changed clothes and received gear, I was transported by van to this big open area off a long dirt road and then someone walked me another half hour or so to meet my group. I don't know many specifics about where we camped or where we hiked throughout the entirety of the program, as they never really told us much at all. That's true from our from the point of view of one of the workers. We don't we 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 don't say anything. I never did the wilderness parts, but even at a at a center, we don't really say anything to the kids about directions and things like that in the fear of them running so that's why uh you know wasn't really given any specifics at least that's why i would have done it i don't know the reasons for the um for the employees at that time in 2004 i don't know if it was just because they were jerks or something to them Uh, but why i would have done it is solely because i don't uh the fear of them running because if you know the directions and you know how to get out of there and you know and there's been horror stories of teens who have known where to go as long as they find out a direction somewhere, then they just get up and run, and then they can make their way home uh, if they're knowledgeable enough. So uh, that part makes sense to me, uh, if that's the case, if that's why they never said anything. But uh, going on uh, with the story, we didn't have contact with anyone other than our group leaders and a therapist that would come periodically. I was in this program in the middle of the wilderness always at least 2.5 or 3 hours and many miles away from civilization for 52 days. We would hike from water source to water and we were resupplied every 8 days when the staff changed over. I was in the wilderness for a total of my 52 days in that program. I do know two locations we hiked to a place called Ledge Lake that was on the edge of a huge cliff, probably 300 to 400 feet above the forest floor below, looking south. And I also know we hiked and camped at a place called Miller Creek Cove. So all I know was that we were somewhere in the southern Utah wilderness, most of it, if not the entire time. Oh, and also, we had to write a one-page journal entry every day before it was time to eat. And it is this journal I found more recently that reminded me of the incident. On 6 so June 11, 2004, day 35 of my program, we had a 10-mile hike planned to reach the next water source. We never hiked longer than one full day without making it to a place we could never fill our bottles. We only carried what we needed. We were literally in the middle of the wilderness and could not physically carry non-essential items. Even if we wanted to during this particular hike, one of the other kids named Robbie hurt his knee really bad traversing the side of this mountain. So we had to change course and basically began to bushwhack it straight down the mountain from where we were to find a clearing 
where we could set up camp. Everyone divided Robbie's gear, plus two other guys, so they could uh, carry him. When the ground leveled out of the bottom, we came to a trail. Think less hiking trail and more game animal trail. The trail came to a T. Where we came down was basically at the top of the T. We hung our food bags 25 to 30 yards to the right, and we made camp about 50 yards further down the trail at the bottom of the T path on both sides of the trail. The forest was really dense. You could never really see further than about 25 to 30 yards because of how many trees there were. But there was enough of a clearing along this path that all 12 of us could spread out on either side of the trail and make a shelter out of our tarp and cord. That That's that's a thing. Yep. Um, just a little side note. When it comes to wilderness, yes, they actually do use tarps and they do stuff like that. So, so this man, and I never doubt it, but... So far, he really was in a wilderness program. That's re- that's really cool. When we woke up the next morning, I wrote in my journal that night on June 12, 2004, quote, there were these big or these crazy big footprints going through the site and hair was found high up in a tree about, sh- about shoulder height. I remember specifically the footprints were at least the length of my elbow to the tips of my fingers. I was fully grown at six foot when I was 17. So looking at my arm now, it would have had to have been about 18 inches long, maybe six inches wide. I don't remember it looking any different than the shape of a normal human foot. It was just freaking gigantic. Knowing what I know now, I would have documented the crap out of it and measured every toe and ridge and everything. I remember the gate was large enough that I felt like I was halfway doing the splits to reach the other one, where we're all laughing about it. Another thing I remember was how hard-packed the trail was that none of us, including the staff, which is 200-pound dudes, could make an impression in the dirt even remotely close to as deep as these giant footprints were. Deep enough that the ground looked like it was soft when the footprint was was made and then it dried completely hard as rock in the morning by time we found them. But it didn't rain at all that night. And there weren't there when we got there the afternoon before. The footsteps went from the bottom of the tee, then made a right toward the hanging food bags. Another 15 feet or so past the food bags, one of our counselors reached up and grabbed the tuft of hair. That was stuck on the branch on the left side. My journal entry says it was shoulder height, but I remember him physically reaching up to grab it. I can't explain the discrepancy other than I either wrote it wrong then or I'm remembering it wrong now. In hindsight, I wish I would have smelled the hair and kept some of it. Anything more than having 15 minutes of, wow, that's weird, and then moving on and forgetting about it. I remember the hair was a light orange-brown with lots of gray in it, like an aging ginger's beard. I remember it was more coarse and weary than anything I had ever seen in my life. I wish I would have freaking smelled it just to have another sensory memory of the whole thing. That quote I put in the paragraph above is the only only thing in the journal entry about it. I'm sure I had heard of 
Bigfoots before this, but I wasn't into any of that sort of stuff. Cryptozoology, conspiracies, etc. UFOs I've been into since childhood, from watching X-Files in the early 90s. Until in my mid-20s, so it is reasonable to me that I only wrote that one sentence about how crazy it was, and then left it at that. Another strange thing from that morning that may be unrelated, but is also crazy, is that there was a large tree in the clearing, which we set up camp, and while we were looking at the footprints, another kid noticed these super deep claw marks going into the trunk. At the time, we thought maybe a mountain lion or something similar was up the tree, stalking us overnight, which were in, the, which were in their territory, excuse me, or something. The claw marks were narrow, maybe half an inch wide, and at the deepest point, maybe an inch and a half or two inches deep and they were still fresh with the green of the aspen tree underneath. I like to think that whatever it, it was scrambled up the tree when the Bigfoot came walking through our camp. And maybe even the Bigfoot even saved one of us from being eaten or attacked that night. That's just me letting my imagination run with it. I don't even know if these two things are related whatsoever. They just both happened around the same time, and I think it's cool to think about. Oh, one last thing. I remember one of the counselors, Shane, maybe Sean was his name, said he had a friend that was some kind of scientist and did something with wild animals. I don't know in what capacity or anything more, and he was going to take the hair we found to him and have him look at it. The next week, Sean came back, eight days on, six days off is the schedule for the counselors, and all he says was that he gave it to his friend, and his friend said he had never seen anything like it and would get back to him. Nothing more, nothing less. I never asked for any follow-up beyond that, and none of it ever entered my brain again. Not until I found my journal and read through it, coming across this entry below. Wow. Well, I just want to say, um, I hope... I hope that the uploader, or the person who posted the subreddit story i hope that they continue to find what they're looking for i think investigating um this is a fun hobby i do i don't i don't see anything wrong with it and you know what brother i'm right there with you i too believe in the bigfoot i too believe in the sasquatch so i hope uh i hope you continue to find your answers but that is a freaking cool story um, it's not too creepy. It's, it's pretty nice. Um, and yeah, so I, man, that's, that's really neat. That's really freaking cool. So, but thank you. Thank you for the story, Propaganda 4. I, I really appreciate it. As for you, the listener, and Theo, <laughs> as for you, the listener and Theo, I, um, I just, I just want to say thank you for listening. I think, uh, I think that's a brilliant way to, to come to a close, um, with this, um, with this episode. I think the idea of these creatures existing isn't, doesn't have to be so far fetched. There's a, I'm a, I, I'm a firm believer, and I'm not, I'm not a tinfoil hat kind of guy. But I'm a firm believer that our government isn't entirely truthful to us, uh, the U.S., 
for that matter. Uh, I believe that there are many things, many creatures that exist out there that maybe perhaps we do not know about. Um, is Bigfoot a part of them? I don't know. I don't know. I want to believe. I want to say yes. I want to 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 fully invest in that, but I, I once again I'm not entirely sure. Uh, like I always say, like I always say, uh, there are weird things out there, and I don't find it so far fetched that there's creatures that exist out there looking at us, stalking us, observing us from afar. You know, there's always, I believe that, that, that there's constant life for the most, for the most part. You have, I believe that there's life beyond the clouds within the stars. I believe that there's life in the deepest, darkest trenches of the forest. And I'm not talking about beetles, slugs, bears, mountain lions, none of that. I'm talking things more than what we know. Why is it so hard to believe that there's a gigantic human-like creature that has gone so well into hiding that even we struggle with the idea of its own existence? What do you tell people like propaganda for? You know what I mean? Hey, you go to sleep, you wake up, and there's footprints walking throughout the camp? And I don't know how it was back then, but now there's people who are on night shift at that time. They stay up with the kids, you know? Or I guess they stay up watching the kids sleep. But I don't know how it was back then. And uh, and I did not work for that company. Uh, AAA. I didn't I didn't work with them. Uh, so I, I, I don't know their protocol. But, you know, it, it's... It's odd. It's interesting. It's very intriguing. And I don't know what to make of it, you know? It's... Um, it's something that I feel like once once you get the uh, once you get the itch for it's hard to shake off, you know. As for the as for the PG film, as for the uh, the the Patterson Gimlin film, I don't I don't know. I'm not entirely sure what to make of that, you know. It has been a treat. It's it's it, it's been quite the uh, it's been quite the show. I want to leave you all with a song. Um, I think I'm going to try to do that. From time to time, I'm just going to leave it. I think maybe from here on out, I'll just leave a, a song title. Obviously, I can't play music on my show because of copyright reasons and things like that. But I think it will be really neat to, uh, to leave a song at the end of an episode for you guys to listen. And I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to follow the narrative... That if I had my own radio station and I was allowed to play music, if I had the licensing for music and it would be like my outro song, you know, kind of like Art Bell. I'm always going to refer to Art Bell because he's the greatest, but kind of like Art Bell where he always plays an ending song. If I had free range of something like that tonight, my ending song would be for what it's worth by Buffalo Springfield. So, after this episode, if you want, go ahead and turn on For What It's Worth by Buffalo Springfield. I do not own that song. And that's not my music. That's just something that you guys should listen to. Free publicity, if you, th if you think about it. But, that is what I would play. Once again, the song is For What It's Worth 
by Buffalo Springfield. Thank you so much. From the high desert and the great American Southwest, this has been Conversations at Midnight. From wherever you are, which part of the world, which time you're listening this podcast to, I hope you have a good morning, a good afternoon, and a good evening, and a good night. Thank you. Yeah.